Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie, St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Today is August 28th, 2020, Friday. So glad to have you with us here today. Uh, this is our last lesson as we've gone through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, but I've, as I've mentioned before, uh, we don't actually hear uh, the last few chapters because those come up as we consider the Passion of our Lord, right? So this is the the end of the last discourse during Holy Week on the Mount of Olives with the disciples. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I got a little bit more light. Okay. Our memory verse for this week is from Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should vote, boast. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. All right, we pray Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, at the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Yes, that is my confirmation verse. Indeed, Ephesians 2. All right. Our reading for catechesis. Again, the continuation according to St. Matthew, chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in, in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those 
on his right hand, Come, you, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There ends the reading. All right. Quite a familiar text, another one that we hear at the end of the church here each year. Who is the Son of Man? That's, of course, um, Jesus referring um, to the revelation in uh, Daniel, chapter 7, right? And when will he come in his glory? Yeah, that's, this is judgment day now. Where will he sit? Verse 31 says, on his throne. That's right. And who will be gathered before the throne? Ah, all the nations, right? Verse 32, not just some, all. Where is the is this phrase important in the Gospel of Matthew? It'll come up later in chapter 28. All the nations. That's right. It's, it's part of the baptismal command. Go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe. Yes. So in the first two verses of this story, to what is Jesus compared? All right, if he's sitting on a throne, then that makes him a king, right? And then verse 32, if he's gathering um, sheep, uh-huh, then he is the shepherd, right? So he's the, uh, the, shep- the kingly shepherd, the king of love my shepherd is, you know, to quote Psalm 23. Uh, who are the believers and where are they placed? Yeah, those who trust in him are placed on his right hand. And they are the sheep, right? And the unbelievers, where are they placed? That's the goats who are on the left. A uh, question here about goats in particular. What are goats used for in the Old Testament? Yeah, very particular. You've probably even, maybe even used the term scapegoat. You ever use that term? Yeah. It's referring to uh, the Levitical sacrifice. Leviticus chapter 16, not chapter 18. 
Chapter 16, there we are. Did not type that correctly. Mm, we'll start at verse 8. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Later on, verse 22, And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and shall release, he shall release the goat in the wilderness. All right, so this goat was used as a sacrifice, for sacrifice in the ritual of the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement. All that's quite helpful because who is prefigured by that scapegoat? Yeah, that's also Jesus. Who are those blessed by my Father? You see what he says in verse 34? Come, you blessed by my Father. Well, think of um, Matthew 16, which we studied quite a while ago now, but you probably know it by heart. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So you note that the blessing is the revelation of who Jesus is there. Or perhaps you know Luke, go to the other gospel, another gospel, when he said, um, this is uh, when he's speaking to that certain woman in the crowd, when she says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Ah, there's that word again, tereo. Blessed is the word of God and who keep it sacred, right? Keep it near. All right, so to be blessed of the Father is to be the faithful who hear and believe, who are given faith, who are given the word and given faith by the Spirit. All right, when was the kingdom prepared for them, according to Jesus here? Inherit the kingdom prepared for you when? From the foundation of the world. All right, so now in verses 35 and 36, these famous sections, who is the object? in these sentences. You've got to know some basic grammar here. Subject, verb, object, you know, basic sentence structure. Who's the object in all of them? Yeah, you gave me, Jesus, food. You gave me, Jesus, drink. Right? So Jesus is the object of all of our actions. Will the believer always recognize this? Of course, verse 37 no. <laughs> when did we see you? When did we do this, right? All right, of course, um, our love for Christ is shown in our love for the neighbor, which he works in us by his spirit. Who are the least of the brothers of Jesus? You see what he says? Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did, this is very important, verse 40, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Who are the least of the brothers, the brethren? He's, he's, Jesus is being very specific about those whom are to be the, uh, the recipients of our love, at least in this story. 
These are those who preach the gospel. He's talking about caring for those who preach the gospel, very specifically. Not to say that all other love is excluded or something. Um, Think about how he said it back in Matthew 10. He said, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Right? And who are the little ones that he's talking about there? Oh, there's so much going on there. Uh, I'm I'm scrolling back to see. Oh yeah, it's the children. All right. Yeah, so who do it unto the least of these, my brothers? Uh, yeah, at least start with caring for those who are the preachers of the gospel and see what comes from there. <laughs> How did all these things happen, of course, particularly in the church? Yeah, we see this in the book of Acts. You can, um, we'll look at that next, next spring, actually, in our prayers. Um, the congregations provided food and shelter for the preachers. Um, for example, they also visited Paul, who was in prison. They provided homes for the apostles when they um, came to dwell there on their missionary journeys. Right? So you see the church caring particularly for the ministers of the gospel, and that to receive them is to receive Jesus. Who are the righteous then? Because he says, then the righteous will answer him. Who are these righteous? Maybe here it would be helpful to remember, um, really, I think the first significant expression uh, referring to to Abram, right? Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house shall be my, is my heir, Genesis 15. Uh, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but the one, one will come from your own body who shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. Accounted or uh, maybe even reckoned would be a good word there. Or imputed, that's even a better word. right? Like in Psalm 32, blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Um. Or Psalm 106, it says, and that was imputed to him for righteousness to all generations. That is, declared, pronounced upon him, right? So the Lord makes a promise with the promise. The Lord gives faith through the Spirit, and that is reckoned or imputed to him as righteous. So it's those who live by faith is the short answer. (laughs) I gave you the long answer too. The righteous are those who live by faith. How are these blessings and curses then linked to Abraham? I suggested that they are, as we just went to Genesis 15. Maybe also uh, go back to Genesis 12. Good place to go. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right. So all these blessings are linked to Abraham because 
um, just as those who blessed Abraham were blessed, so those who blessed the preacher of the gospel received the blessing of the gospel. Those who despise the preacher of the gospel or will not care for uh, his physical needs are rejecting the gospel and are cursed. Remember, he's talking to the disciples. He's on the Mount of Olives. He's talking specifically um, about how they will either be received or rejected. right? And where are the cursed sent? <laughs> Obviously, the kingdom is prepared before the foundation of the world, and I see in the chat that that's super comforting, which is true. Um, maybe not so comforting a word is that, of course, there is a place that has been prepared for the devil and his angels, right? We call it hell or eternal punishment, right? And how is it portrayed here? Verse 41, an everlasting fire, right? Note, um, I think this is really quite important and often overlooked, at least I overlooked it for a long time, uh, which is that hell is not prepared for you. This was prepared for the devil and the angels. The only reason why anyone um, is sent to hell is because they choose to be in league um, with the demonic and reject the word of God and faith that he gives by that word. All right. The parable is part of a series of parables that we've been hearing about the church and the judgment. In the previous parable, our Lord spoke about the task of faithful preachers of the gospel. Here he speaks of the ultimate reason for judgment. The separation of sheep and goats is about faith versus unbelief. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, they follow, they honor the voice. The goats goats are those who must bear the blame themselves and be sent away from the one who came to bear their sins for them. Those blessed by the Father have been brought through the preaching of the gospel to the confession that Jesus is the Christ. Those blessed ones recognize Christ in those who come preaching the gospel. For those who hear the preacher of the gospel hear Jesus himself. All that they do for the preacher of Jesus is really done for Jesus himself. Those who reject the preacher of the gospel are cursed, for they do not believe the gospel that Jesus is the Christ. In rejecting the preacher of the gospel, they reject Christ himself and those whom he has sent. That word blessing is really important because you see that um, blessing is, is passive. It's given, right? The Lord blesses, he gives. Right? So salvation is a gift. Right? Rejection of that salvation is active, not passive, it's active. Right? They reject the one whom the Lord sends, and so they reject faith, they reject the gospel. So we are entirely, <laughs> we are entirely culpable for our rejection of the Lord, um, and we are entirely saved by God's good grace and mercy, not by our own doing, which is a, kind of a counter view of of the human will i think i don't think any i think probably those christians um more christians probably believe that either you're saved or not saved by your own choice right um and then there are probably christians who say yes we're saved freely by choice um but also you're damned by god's choice not by your doing uh that would be the double predestination crowd actually so um we want to hold that tension there um that god reveals here in the scriptures Saved by grace, but if we reject, it's by our own doing. All right. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. We pray. Merciful Father, you promise us that if we confess our sins, You are faithful and just 
and to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I come before you for confession and absolution, teach me to consider my place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Work in me true contrition and repentance. Give me a desire to live a new life. Help me to know and confess my sin truthfully. As I receive my Savior's forgiveness, comfort my conscience, renew my life, strengthen my faith in Him, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. All this I ask for the sake of my dear Lord Jesus Christ, who died for me and shed His blood for me upon the cross for the forgiveness of all my sins. Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. We pray for our first responders, nurses, doctors, and all those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. We pray for deliverance from all pestilence, sedition, and rebellion. We pray for our military and police personnel. On this August 28th, we pray in Thanksgiving for those who celebrate their birthday, Duane and Doug. We pray for those who celebrate their baptism today, Dylan. Pray for those who celebrate um, their anniversary, Jim and Dawn. And we pray in Thanksgiving for the confession of faith made by Blair and Alyssa this past Sunday. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We also pray for those who are ill and in need of the Lord's healing touch. Marcella, Jan, Virtus, Ron, Brad, Janet, Tim, and Carol. Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Aaron, Roger, and Jean. Pray the Lord would comfort and relieve those in hospice, Steve and Carol, those who are grieving, the family and friends of Fred Wilk Jr., those who are isolated at home, Bev, David, Willis and Janice, and Mickey. And we also ask that the Lord um, strengthen and give us generous hearts to support the work of LCMS World Relief and Human Care, and also the Federowitz family. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the Collect. Almighty and everlasting God, always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things that we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right. As yesterday, I didn't have my phone with me. Uh, left it upstairs. Uh, maybe we'll go back and we'll both commemorate um, Monica, St. Monica, mother of Augustine, who was the commemoration yesterday, but also then remember today, um, the commemoration of St. Augustine himself. All right, so first, a native of North Africa, Monica, AD 333 to 387, was the devoted mother of St. Augustine. Throughout her life, she sought the spiritual welfare of her children, especially that of her brilliant son, Augustine. Widowed at a young age, she devoted herself to her family, praying many years for Augustine's conversion. When Augustine left North Africa to go to Italy, she followed him to Rome and then to Milan. There she had the joy of witnessing her son's conversion to the Christian faith. Weakened by her travels, Monica died in Ostia, Italy, on the journey she had hoped would take her back to her native Africa. On some church year calendars, Monica is remembered on May 4th. We pray. O Lord, you strengthened your patient servant Monica through spiritual discipline to persevere 
in offering her love, her prayers, and her tears for the conversion of her husband and then later of her Augustine, her son. Deepen our devotion to bring others, even our own family, to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God, now and forever. Amen. And then also St. Augustine. Augustine was one of the greatest of the Latin Church Fathers and a significant influence on the formation of Western Christianity, including Lutheranism. Born in AD 354 in North Africa, Augustine's early life was distinguished by exceptional advancement as a teacher of rhetoric. In his book, Confessions, he describes his life before his conversion to Christianity, when he was drawn into the moral laxity of the day and fathered an illegitimate son. Through the devotion of his sainted mother Monica and the preaching of Ambrose, bishop of Milan, Augustine was converted to the Christian faith. During the great Pelagian controversies of the 5th century, Augustine emphasized the unilateral grace of God in the salvation of mankind. Bishop and theologian at Hippo in North Africa from AD 395 until his death in 430, Augustine was a, great, or a man of great intelligence, a fierce defender of the Orthodox faith, and a prolific writer. In addition to confessions, Augustine's book, City of God, had a great impact upon the Church throughout the Middle Ages and Renaissance. Let us pray. O Lord God, the light of the minds that know you, the life of the souls that love you, and the strength of the hearts that serve you, give us strength to follow the example of your servant Augustine of Hippo, so that knowing you we may truly love you, and loving you we may fully serve you. For to serve you is perfect freedom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things, Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, Baptismal Waters Cover Me.
That concludes our Congregation of Prayer for today, August 28th, 2020. So glad to have you with us here today. Be sure to join us again tomorrow morning, Saturday, for our Congregation of Prayer, uh, roughly around 9 o'clock. Hopefully it gets posted. And um, also then Sunday, of course, Divine Service is at 9.30 a.m. Central. And we'll be hearing about Jesus healing the deaf mute man. It's a beautiful text. So, Lord be with you all. Uh, Give you strength today. And we'll see you again tomorrow.